Watch her, I order as I get up and make my way for the door. But don't touch. We know the rules, Bash says, a little annoyed to be told what to do. But Bash has always loved pretty things, and this darling is prettier than the rest. Don't fuck the darlings, (laughs) I say, just to be sure he hears me. It's the only rule we have. We don't fuck the darlings because fucking darlings is what got us into this mess. We don't fuck the darlings, we just break them. (laughs) Oh my god. So in case you... (laughs) So it got us into this mess. Oh my god. Welcome to Disaster Peace Publishing House. My name is Dev Solovey. And I am Simetz. This is a show about the good, bad, but mostly bad of weird literature, dramatic readings included. And we have returned to the Never King... (laughs) triumphantly i might add (laughs) yep so that passage uh, i started with it because a it's hilarious and b um it disproves an assumption we made in the beginning which we thought and i think you had mentioned this we thought it was going to be one of that those like cnc things where the protagonist is like oh no don't do this to me but then there's like a lot of internal monologue about how badly she wants to be fucked that is not the case. It's actually the inverse. It's where she tempts the Lost Boys, and the Lost Boys are not supposed to fuck her, but they do it anyway because <laughs> <laughs> they can't resist, I guess. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I just wanted to. In, in my defense, we were literally like warned about CNC. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, 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 we were. And this this is the first uh, the first instance in which the Never King shows itself to be a subversive literary masterpiece. <laughs> I would say so too. I would say the next instance is in what I call the sexy pancake scene. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this one. I really wanted to read, not just for Sai, but for like everyone I know. Oh it's my god! Fantastic! It's I'm gonna, too good. It's just too good. Yeah, I'm gonna jump. Honestly, I'm gonna jump into it. Or no, should I introduce the Lost Boys first? Um, I feel like uh we should do a little bit of recap, uh, just for for our audience. Sake. Right? Yeah, that's probably um, a good idea. Not not just the story of the the Never King itself, but the lore surrounding like why we're doing the Never. Yeah, King. yeah, yeah. Um, I found it at a bus stop because I'm God's favoritest boy, <laughs> and uh, then. We read it on the show. It's one of those weird uh, Amazon self-published erotic fiction type dealies. Plot of it basically revolves around the great descendant of the original Wendy from Peter Pan and super beefcake buff boy, <laughs> bad boy, gonna fuck your mom, but haha, he already did. And that's the fun Bad part. boy Peter Pan. He's not even the baddest boy either. That's one of my favorite things. But He's an introductory boy. <laughs> yep, yeah. I, I do want to preface this by saying, too, that we are not the audience for this book. Like, like any criticisms we make here, just take it with a grain of salt, because the audience for this book is cisgender heterosexual women who like bad boys and want to have a vicarious experience of having you know devious sex with some kind of like bad boy like that's the audience for this i'm a trans man who's bisexual i'm not part of this audience and i'm i've just got no leg in the race one way or the other (laughs) yeah in terms of heterosexual lady bits yeah no it's not 
Yeah, we're we're not the audience for this, uh, and I can tell because the men in this are just deeply unattractive. Because that's one of the things is like, I, I the reason I wanted to read this is I sh- I I felt that I shared a sort of kinship with Nikki Saint Crone. Hear me out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the both of us like trash men, right? She talks about she loves villains. She talks about that on her site. I love trash men too. But as, upon reading this, I discovered that. She likes a different breed of trash men. She likes Ghost Rider, whereas I like Gambit. She likes murderers versus thieves. You know, she likes guys with daddy issues, and I like guys with mommy issues. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> okay, it's... that's you know that's a dichotomy I never thought of before. But I feel like you. It's just a dichotomy brought... you learn when you appreciate terrible villains. <laughs> you know, I I feel like this is a game changer. <laughs> It is, because, like, the, the types of guys, she's attracted to, like, bikers, you know, and I'm attracted to, like, I don't know, John Constantine, so it's like... And we've just seen too many real bikers be super Nazis to, like, really... Oh, th- like yeah, that. that's, no, literally, we live in the city where the Hells Angels started, so, like, that's that's a thing here. But I, I want to preface this by that, by saying that, and also, like, it's... There are a lot of criticisms that I could have leveled at this if it were an ordinary, like, genre fiction book, like, as in, like, a fantasy book. You know, for example, the fact that there's no fucking plot whatsoever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, there's a lot of, uh, there's no magic system. Magic is mentioned, but it's never explained pretty much. There's, like, a brief bit of explanation, but, you know, there's, there's, Nothing. Whereas the energy I'm going to be bringing to the table is making fun of the minutiae of how unsexy it is. <laughs> yeah, well, the reason it's unsexy... I've, I feel like we're perfect. We're the perfect people to, to dig into this. The reason, in my opinion, the reason it's so unsexy is the, the major problem with the prose, which is the lack of description. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no detail put into this i have no idea the entire book she spends mostly in the treehouse i had no idea it was a treehouse until like page 70 and i still have zero idea what it looks like like she did a bit of description but pretty much nothing else it's one of those things where i i feel like what makes it a not good piece of writing versus what makes it really successful at the type of thing that it is are kind of the same thing, which is, like, it really lets someone who just, like, is looking for a, like, a Mad Libs for their own (laughs) mental picture, right? Yeah. They're not actually looking for literature. They're looking for something quick to get them going to, like, get the the fire started in their own head. And I do want to say, just ahead of time, like, there are also some good things in this book that I will bring up later on. Like, it's not all bad. But I, the... I really want to comment on the lack of detail and description because, like, I understand that this exists primarily for the smut, but even the smut could be made better with it because, like, you know, so exa- for example, there's a group sex scene and, like, she gets bent over the table and they screw her in many different ways, but, like, you know, it, it could have been hotter if she had just des- described the sensations around her because, like, sex is a sensual thing. So what if, you know, was the table rickety? Was the table solid? Did it have a tablecloth on it? Did the tablecloth get all bunched up? You know, what what is she feeling? What is it? You know, it's not just – description isn't just about what you can see. It's about everything around you. And so it, – It really gives you the impression that these are the sexual fantasies of a woman who's never been able to – let's say, draw from the life experience that would 
be able to create a, a colorful scenario yeah, like yeah. this. Or even the imagination to go looking for what it might be. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, um, I no think- shade. Look, a lot, a lot of a lot of pornography is, and especially very good descriptive pornography is, are made by people who don't fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. I do also um, want to say, like, we're, I, I'm just trying to come at this from a diagnostic angle, not yeah, from a making fun of angle. I just want to yeah. say that, like, that's kind of where when, we're at. When, when someone goes and his wiener was hard and fucked me, you're like, <laughs> okay, girl, have you ever come? Yeah. What, what makes you come? Because you're not drawing from that here. I think sh- I think Nikki St. Crow has for sure. Okay, but okay, okay. I let me let me. I, I'm 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 tempted to either read the the weird the very weird funny part of the group sex scene or introduce the Lost Boys first and get to that. I I feel yeah. like we should if we're calling this a book report, <laughs> um, we should do it m- more. You, you've got no okay yeah dev's got notes <laughs> he's got a notebook with with structured note there there are notes in the margins there's underlines yeah well most of them are me making jokes in the margins if but... you didn't speak english you could use this as a prop in a lovecraft adaptation yeah. where somebody like loses their minds <laughs> about the just, necronomicon let me just pull the plug on this and just read this extremely funny um section of the group sex scene so the two of the Lost Boys are twins. They're named Castion and Sebastian, and uh, <laughs> they go by they go by Cass and Bash. And uh, <laughs> so, and and th- this is a sin, in my opinion. This is a fiction sin. Uh, she makes it so that the twins can like communicate telepathically, which is like a stereotype about twins. Is that they? Sai <laughs> so is like laughing into a pillow right now, um, but. It's a stereotype of twins that they can read each other's minds. And in my opinion, that's just lazy storytelling, but that's just me. But here's where it gets fucking wild. <laughs> so there's a part in the group sex scene where the twins, they have Winnie bent over the table. Winnie's the protagonist. And like, um, I think Bash is the one in her pussy and Cass is the one in her mouth. So they're like spit roasting her, right? <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> oh no, I don't like the juxtaposition of you setting up that they can telepathically communicate. No! So, so, oh no! So, Bash thrusts harder, faster. Cass pumps into my mouth, groaning deep in his chest. You ready to fill her up, brother? Bash says. Fuck yeah, I am, Cass says. And in some kind of <laughs> fucked up twin synchronicity, they both come at the same time. How would, she, how would she know that that's what they're thinking? I mean, whose perspective is this? This is Winnie's perspective. How does she know? They're not thinking this. They're talking. Oh, okay. They're, they're okay. speaking to okay. each other, uh, which makes it funnier to me. Because, <laughs> like, they're saying this out hey, loud. <laughs> they're saying this out loud in front of God and everyone. And, like, they're just... <laughs> just hey, like, bro, I'm about to, about to bust. <laughs> yeah, me too, bro. Me too, bro. High five. All right, let's bust together. One, two, three. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres. <laughs> God. Yeah, no, that. I read that and I was like, there's, there's some things. I have a pretty high tolerance for cringe, but there were a couple of moments in the book that kind of made me like, but that one was the worst. That one I read that and I was like, what the fuck have I gotten myself into? I'm 118 that's, pages in. What hey, the that's hell more fucked up than the incest in Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones framed that as a bad thing. 
<laughs> yeah, I have I have problems with Game of Thrones too, but at least it's well written. Yeah. No, that was the thing. I, I do want to say, like, there are some characters in here who I do really like. I think the best character is probably Vane, and I'm going to need you to hear me out here, because he's supposed to be, like, the super edgy boy, like, the dark and violent one, but okay. he's actually the funniest. <laughs> like, he has some, um, uh, like, one-liners in here that are just... All right, but, but, but book, book report it. You're, we're yeah. getting scattered. We, okay, you've got okay. notes. Just tell the story as it happens. Let me... Okay. We'll, just do, let's do a quick recap, and then we'll touch on the interesting stuff. So the plot, we'll, we'll, if we'll it exists... We'll start with just like a recap. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If it exists, it's basically Winnie. She gets captured, and she gets brought to Neverland, which is like an island, apparently. Uh, Peter Pan is the the never king. He's the king of the island, but he has lost his shadow, which is like a thing that gives him magic. Uh, Winnie gets kidnapped, and she's kind of chained up in this room, and we're introduced to the rest of the Lost Boys who are in the main cast. That would be the, the two twins that I just mentioned, Castian and Sebastian. And then there's Vane, who is like literally called the Dark One. Um, oh my god. Yeah, but what's funny though is that she calls out how stupid that is, but <laughs> like it's still quite funny. And then there's Peter Pan, of course, we've already met him, and all of them are just ripped and covered in tattoos and uh you know just one of them is like actually wearing ripped jeans like it's very self Do they ever describe what the tattoos look like or is it just no. they have tattoos it's literally just they have tattoos and it goes from their neck to their waistline and that's pretty much it like, just filled just filled in <laughs> solid green <laughs> yeah no it's like they're it's, like they're a goddamn meter in a video game. oh no you know what there is description of the tattoos but it's later and it's only Vane's tattoo and it's only on his back and it is a skull with fangs which is excellent wow that's cool bro exquisite uh, <laughs> but yeah so this one reminds me of my dad yeah so they were they're, they're they keep saying that they're going to break winnie like like break her mind because they're searching for the shadow and they want to like pull the location of peter's shadow out of her memories like inherited memories or something um but the entire time nothing is ever really done to like break her like it's hinted that they're going to do that and you assume it's going to be like a slow process of torment but it's really not they just kind of hang out with her for a couple of days and you know like like i think it's bastion makes her pancakes and you know this it's like a whole and and you find out through various sexy pancakes (laughs) they are um (laughs) apparently but yeah and there's like you know sex scenes here and there um i think it's bastion who fucks up first and ends up fucking her even though peter pan tells everybody not to oh there's at the beginning uh they introduce like her grandma's suitcase which they've carried around with them forever as if not that's not the most conspicuous way to bring up something that's very clearly related to the plot so yeah so then you we find out there's like a history between peter pan and the queen of the fairies whose name is tilly She's the daughter of Tinkerbell, who Tinkerbell was apparently killed by Peter. Um, oh, dick move, bro. Yeah, Tinkerbell, though, she sounds like a real dipshit, because, like, she she loved Peter, but she hated Wendy more, and so that's why she stole his shadow and made Wendy hide it, and we only find this out at the end. But basically, it turns out that, like, Tilly is the one who's been melting all of the darling's brains. Uh, and she says it's to try and draw out the memory of where the shadow is, but in reality, she's just turning their brain to mush. 
Okay. Not the twist I was expecting. And it's not even a twist because she explains it. Like, the moment after it's brought up. Like, Cass and Bash, they're the brothers of Tilly, but they've been banished because they killed their father. And they say, like, huh, you know, I I wonder if Tilly is just melting their brains instead of doing it. And they're, like, afraid to find out the answer. And then the next chapter literally explains exactly what she's doing. So, like, leaves no room for a plot twist. That's one of my biggest issues with this book. It's got fan fiction pacing, but it was just written for being read in one sitting. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, and so, and, like, the only twist happens with Vane, because Tilly finally shows up, and we're like, oh, okay, so the climax was supposed to be that Tilly was going to break her mind. It wasn't going to be a gradual thing. Why did they make it sound that way? Um, she shows up, and she starts trying to melt Winnie's brain, but then Vane, the, the bad boy one, actually intervenes, and at some point, and that's the only twist in this book, because you don't expect him to do it. So the twist is that he's not a dick? Pretty much, yeah. Like, you expect him to be, but he's not. And he he explains, he's like, I come from a place where girls are tormented for no reason, and I'm tired of seeing it, so that's why I swooped in. Um, And that's, like, the only... What place is that? It's, it's like, all the way... High school? (laughs) I get... I don't know. It's not explained, but maybe it's explained in the next book, which is called The Dark One, so I assume it's referring to him. But, yeah, so he, he swoops in, he saves Winnie... Winnie at some point realizes Peter's shadow is in uh, her grandma's old suitcase. They, no way. Yeah, I know. Big surprise. They go back to her grandma's place. Uh, a bunch of the like lesser fairies, which are called brownies in the book. Um, it's not a racist thing, I promise. Uh, yeah, no, brownies like a just a, a yeah. name for an old type of fairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's like a thing. It's written in a weird way though. But the brownies are there, um, and they're trying. I think they're trying to like kill the the mother. I'm not sure. But they get they get all fucking slaughtered by all the lost boys, and this fight scene is not really described at all, and it's quite boring and frustrating that it's not described. Missed opportunity too. If she thinks these guys are hot on the basis of them being brutal, why not show them being brutal? Why not show them ripping these people to shreds? Anyway, Dev, you read the book up to that point. Did it feel like she had it in her to write a descriptive fight scene? No, she didn't. That's the upsetting thing about it. Yeah, because okay. um, it's it can be a likable cast of characters if it were just written in a more compelling way. But yeah, so they exactly. I mean, that's that's the point we were camp- coming from to begin with. Is like this premise isn't inherently bad. You know, you can tell a pretty cool, complex, sexy fanfic with a lot of twists and turns that you genuinely get invested in if you just full ass it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 100% the execution that we're making fun of here. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the way it ends is, like, all the brownies are dead. Peter and Winnie have this, what I think is supposed to be a tender moment. It's, like, implied that he's falling for her, but it's executed in, like, a really weird way that doesn't seem convincing. And that's possibly Vane's funniest moment, because he interrupts just to pick up a dead body, and he's like, we're taking graves outside. Just thought you should know. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, High shovel? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> so, like, just interrupts this moment. And uh, and then the, the hook at the end to read the next book is... Uh, you know, this box was supposed to contain Peter Pan's shadow, but when he opens it, two shadows fly out. And you're like, oh, okay, which one's the other one? Um, so that's the hook at the end. But it's, yeah, the climax was really good. Oh, yeah. And in the middle of the fighting, they stopped to have a conversation for no apparent reason. It was, yeah. <laughs> Wait, how does Captain Hook 
uh, factor into this because I, he's explicitly mentioned on the cover, like on the back. So um, he he doesn't show up in this book, but his daughter does, or at least it's implied um, that uh, the character Cherry is his daughter, and she's also kind of. Like they they make it sound like she's Vane's fuck toy, but she's not really. I I don't know. Huh. Yeah, it's cause cause Vane doesn't actually like. It's implied that he uses people like that, but he's actually the one who cares most about consent. If you do like a thorough reading of this book, but oh, and that's basically like being a Romeo in terms of biker. Yeah, it's like he's a scary, brutal guy who like absolutely he absolutely beats Cherry up, but only because she like consents to it. So it's like, you know, he doesn't n- not beat her up like just beats her but like specifically when they're Sexually. having sex. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you a side You got to clarify when we're talking about biker boning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It's it's a sadomasochism thing, but she's she she likes Vane, she's okay with that and you know, he knows that she's okay. With that. I don't know. It's it, it is confusing how he's characterized, but again, he's the funniest character, so I <laughs> kind of have a soft spot for him. But yeah, that's that's essentially the the story and basically it's very little happens other than some sex scenes and Winnie eating food in a very sexy way and um just kind of learning the lore and that's pretty much it. <laughs> So now, Dev, how how sexy uh, are we talking in terms of it's of <laughs> how sexy she ate? Do you want me to read the scene for you? I think that this is a perfect opportunity. Okay, well, it's on page thirty-one, I believe. Let's see. Uh, Bastion has made pancakes for Winnie, and it's her first day being there. This is what I'm saying. These pretend like they're going to break her, and then they just kind of hang out and do nice things for her. So he makes her pancakes. That that's the equivalent of like a guant a Gitmo, <laughs> and like Gar going like, "All right, torture on torture session on Tuesday." But uh, you want to play some Soul Calibur? Until yeah, then? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, uh, we're gonna waterboard you in like a couple hours. But until then, basketball court's open. You want to play some horse? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I should also mention too that like there's some parts here where um cuz this is told from Bash's perspective. Okay. He's like communicating telepathically with his uh twin. So like I don't know how I'm going to represent that in audio form. So I'll just say like their names or I'll just preface it ahead of time. Why, but... why don't you edit a little effect in afterwards? Like a little <laughs> echo. Because that's a lot of work, but maybe I can. So the darling visibly trembles. Good girl. The quicker she learns, the better off she'll be. My twin eyes me. We've always been able to communicate on a level no one else can. We know each other better than we know ourselves sometimes. His dark brow is furrowed. He can feel it too. Telepathically. Something Something is is different about this one. I know, I answer. Pan has always had one rule about darlings. They're off limits. We have... We don't fuck darlings. That's how we got into this mess. <laughs> Pandas. So we have plenty on the island to keep us busy without fucking around with the darling. We're the lost boys, and there's plenty of lost pussy looking to be found. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I'll make the pancakes. Hey, look, I found some! <laughs> I'll make the pancakes, and Cass will pretend to be the darling's friend, and Vane will brood from the corner, and we'll try our hardest to keep it all together until sunset. I quickly fry up a stack of three pancakes that I put on a plate for the darling, then cover it in a spread of butter, a layer of syrup. Setting it in front of her, I stand back to watch her take the first bite. Dig in, darling, I say. I dare you to tell me they're horrible. 
She looks at the food, then at me, as if she's trying to gauge whether or not I've done something to the food. She's already been kidnapped. If we wanted her dead, she'd already be dead. She cuts out a bite with the fork, and when she puts it in her mouth, her eyes widen, and a little moan escapes her. My cock takes notice, and I have to fight the urge My to reach. My cock takes notice! <laughs> Do a shot at home for every My Cock Takes Notice. <laughs> That's her favorite little uh, uh, phrase. Or not her favorite, but it's one of her favorites. Is She says, My cock takes notice from the these men's perspective. It's like she heard the phrase, um, My dick has a mind of its own, and she took it literally. And so they, their dicks, like, genuinely are sentient, I think. Like one of those uh, uh, fast-forward time lapses of a sunflower following the sun. But it's just dong pancakes. Cass gives me a look, telepathically. I know, I know, asshole, I say. Pancakes aren't supposed to be fucking sexy. It's not like I gave her a bowl of strawberries to wrap her pretty little lips around. I always make the darling pancakes. It's tradition. Down the length of the counter, Vane goes still. She takes another bite and her eyes slip closed. A bead of syrup glistens on her full lips, and she drags the flat edge of her tongue over it, taking in its sweetness. Fucking hell. Vane's shadow disturbs the air when I look over at him. Both of his eyes have gone black. I snap my fingers at him. He blinks and turns away. It's really good, she says after swallowing. Like, really, really good. Yes, I say, I know. Cass leans into her, spreads his arm over the back of her stool, and steals the fork from her hand. I'm envious of his proximity to her. Look, are these actually lost boys or just guys who got fired from Denny's? (laughs) So telepathically, what does she smell like, I ask him. He answers, like secrets and forbidden fruit. Cass takes a bite off her plate. Well done, brother, he says around a mouthful of food, then winks at me, the fucking prick. (laughs) So that's the section I wanted to read to you. God. Because, damn. Christ on high. <laughs> See, the issue that I take with this is everyone knows the sexiest way a woman can eat pancakes is to uh, act as if God can't see and shove them all down as quickly as possible. Yeah. No, it's woof. It's something. I feel like this would be a good time to take a break. Absolutely. Uh, Oh, man. I feel like I need to wash my hands after that one. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right. So I think that we'll call the second half of the episode the lightning round. Why is it the lightning round? Uh, because that's how long I imagine the Lost Boys are going to last. <laughs> <laughs> I do yes, I like... spent my entire bathroom break thinking of that. <laughs> You're welcome. I do want to get. I, I do want to just um, put this one out there because there there were a couple of things I was incorrect about in my assumptions on this book. But one of the ones I made in the last episode was that. The terrible formatting where it's like every other sentence is a paragraph break. I thought that was just to be edgy, but looking at what Nikki St. Crow does, like the other stuff that she does, mm-hmm. it is probably for e-reader format. So mm-hmm. you were right about that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> you were right. Vindication noise. <laughs> no, that she, she's she got th- this one that, in my opinion, has a better title. Um, it's a Kindle Vela series, so episodes come out every week, and it's called Hot Vampire Next Door. That to me is that a better is, title. That's an incredible. 
incredible title. I know, because not only is it like great, but it's also like it tells you everything you need to know. It's like this is about a vampire who lives next door, and it and he's hot, and it's smut. Like that's you you can deduce all of that from the title, and I think that's far more intuitive than the Never King. Then we should call the rename the Never King uh, Magic Out of Town Fuckboys. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we're descri- describing what they what your fucking is and how far no, away no. from you they I, are i've got a better one magic fairy fuck party Ooh, <laughs> yes if yeah. not a title of a book the name of my next band yeah <laughs> i do want to just like read this one passage to you to give you an idea of like why i love vane so much because he just has these little wisecracks here and there but this one actually made me laugh out loud. I do also want to just read the introductory sentence to this chapter because it's so fucking funny. So earlier there was like a sex scene where like uh, Peter Pan like fingers her, but he's like resisting the temptation to like actually fuck her. (laughs) And so that's what happened in the last chapter. And this chapter is from Peter Pan's perspective and it opens with, I'm so fucking hard and pissed off that I couldn't split the darling in two. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I like how they keep calling her the darling, like she's a fucking. I know they don't call her Winnie, but like she's like it's a like it's a. I mean, it is a proper noun because it's her last name. Yeah, but like the the is the proper noun. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, it is weird. I just want to. Um, so one of the things that happens a lot too is like whenever Peter Pan is pissed off, he'll grab Vane and be like, "Hey, I want to go murder something. Will you come with me?" And Vane's like, "Sure, why not?" So this is one of those. So just, are you just okay? So from everything you're telling me, Vane is this book's John <laughs> from John Dies at the End. Not quite. That's he's, that's he's a the mental more edgy. Pic- that's the mental picture I have in my I, head. You can keep that mental picture if you want. I, I think it, it works, but um, he also, he does have his moments where he turns into, like, an anime OC with, like, white hair and one black eye and wings and whatever, but he's edgy, but in a very enjoyable Wait, way. Wait, does that literally happen? Yeah. So he literally turns into literally Sephiroth? A little bit, kind of, Yeah. So I just, <laughs> I want to read you this wisecrack that he has, because it's one of the few times when I laughed out loud. So it's from Peter Pan's perspective. He says, I sigh. Bash fucked the darling. He's thinking to himself. And then I stuck my fingers inside of her. <laughs> I can still smell her on me every fucking time I bring the cigarette to my mouth. So sweet. So tempting. Vane, Christ. Vane leans against the railing, crosses his arms over his chest. And you? He asks. I darken my gaze. What about me? Vane, I can smell her on you. I'm not a fucking idiot. Peter, I taught her a lesson. Vane, you teach yourself one too? <laughs> yeah no and vane has those like little one-liners all the time or like uh where was it i think it was chapter 16 is my other favorite one yeah it begins they had let winnie out into one of the bonfires which is like a different place in the treehouse and again it's from peter pan's perspective i'm pulled from sleep by someone kicking my bed peter this better be important Vane, the twins are throwing a party, Vane says, and the darling is drunk. I lurch upright, a foreign emotion burning in my chest. The fuck? Vane, I know, that's what I said. Peter, why didn't you stop them, or her for that matter? Vane, I'm not her babysitter. Vane, for fuck's sake! (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's like, you know, like... Who else but Bane? <laughs> I know, he's like, he's funny, and like, he shouldn't be funny, but he is funny. But yeah, oh... He definitely <laughs> seems to be the most aloof, which is something that this book desperately needs more of. It is. I just found this note that I forgot I made this note. It, it reads, I really just, I have a high threshold for edgy, and I've reached it. <laughs> and what's, what is the passage? What it says, it's from Peter Pan's perspective, it's the narration... She needs to know. There are no white knights here, just monsters, and I am the worst one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's, like I said, high threshold for edgy, but that, woof, that was bad. Um, but there are some, I do also want to, there are some good moments in here. Like, there are some good ones. I think one of them, and it felt just a little bit too real, honestly, uh, and that's why it's so good, is Winnie is addressing the kind of trauma that she got from her mom because her mom was so scared of like Peter Pan that she did all these weird kind of witchcraft things and ended up kind of abusing Winnie like some of the rituals they did were very terrible and she's covered in scars so one of the things Winnie says in her narration is I don't know how it feels to be loved the right way or to choose to feel the hurt instead of being forced into it maybe that's what love really is at the heart of it choosing the pain with the pleasure so she's talking about how abuse from someone who says they love you, it, it can blur the lines between love and abuse. And I thought that was really, like, it felt real. You know? But in the context of the greater book, you feel, to me, that feels like a moment where the author is trying to justify it. I, it's not... It, to, it's, me, to me, that's how it reads. I, I'm pulling it out of context. It doesn't read that way in the full scene. Okay. I promise. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, and she's also got this one great quote. It's like, um, uh, where is it? She's talking about a role model who Winnie had, who was like um, a sex worker. She was like a female escort. She says, it was Starla's confidence that I couldn't wrap my head around. How did she do it? How did she exist in her skin and love being there? I like that quote. Damn. I like it. Yeah, the one thing I will say, and I, I appreciate that it didn't go that way, I was initially a little afraid because of how they set Winnie up as, like, this loose party girl. Yeah. Like, that would be the the type of behavior that needed correcting. But rather, they just needed to transplant her into an environment where casual sex is better. Yeah. Like, more healthy for... Like, in that context, when it's going... When you're considering this as a... Okay, you're taking somebody who's doing something because they're bored and they don't really know what to do with their lives and they're just doing this because they're doing it and it could potentially be bad for them. And saying, you can do that in like a kink community and have it be a normal part of your life and maybe not a bad thing. Yeah. I kind of like that. I, de I mean, obviously you're going to come from that perspective. You're right. Yeah. You're most people who write porn aren't going to slut shame their main characters unless it's part of the kink. Yeah, which it is part of the kink with her, but that's kind of, that kind of mm. ties back to the quote with um, the, so, that I so brought up I, earlier. I, I guess all I'm saying is like the fact that she's envious of somebody who is able to do what she's doing and not feel shame. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. I will say yeah. that that is very interesting. No, it's great. I love it because that's that's Winnie's whole strategy. She wants to seduce these guys. So like, she you know the the calling names like the degradation is a part of it, but it's clearly a part of the kink and not like 
actually something that's happening. And that also right. kind of ties back to that quote about her mom earlier. What she's saying is like, I don't I, I, want I, pain unless I consent to it. I more mean that there are there's a deeper version of this kink that not only does the dirty talk, but also in the internal monologue of the characters is also very self-shamey. Yeah. Uh, and that that is, doesn't feel to be present from no, what you're showing. No. Starla, that, that's the, the weird thing about that passage is I love it so much. It's one of the best in the book. And Starla, this, this role model character is like the best characterized of any character in this book. And she only shows up in one passage and never again. Uh, and that kind of bums me out because I feel like a, a lot of these characters deserve more characterization than they get. Um, I will say this book is far funnier than I think it was intended to be. Um, so. I, I want to try something. Okay. I, I just want to see if I can find a random passage and have it be hilarious. Okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna cut it out if it's not. But go ahead. Oh yeah, it is. It is. Okay. So um, I think the context of this is Wendy or Wendy. What, what's her Winnie? Friend? Winnie so, uh, is like running away or something. So it's just like for fuck's sake, I don't have the patience for this. The darling is halfway down the beach now. The moonlight painting her in strokes of silver uh, and blue. I remember. I it. might not be able to fly, but I can still run. And the darling never stood a chance. <laughs> yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. So I can tell you the context for that. That actually has to do with Vane's magic. Um, he doesn't have like a great handle on his magic. He's he's got what's called the shadow of death. And it makes people afraid, just like instinctively. So that's why she ran away. I'm sorry, you found something. In yeah, your I did. Up. What did you find? Um, <laughs> I, I I found both a great a great line <laughs> and your note. Okay. Your, uh, your note is, "Dear God, what the fuck?" With three F's in WTF, <laughs> and the line is just, "I'm going to fuck a lost boy." <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Let's see if we can go three for three. <laughs> I'm like a kid let loose at a county fair, and I want to ride all the rides that and play one. all the games. That one, yes. Queen, honestly. No, queen shit. Okay, there's no way this isn't intentionally funny, is your note? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. So that, I mean, that's kind of more or less my book report on the Never King. Um, I do want to just, again, reiterate, like, this is not for us. <laughs> so, like, take all criticisms with a grain of salt, because, like, there could be someone in the very niche audience this is for that absolutely loves this. But at the moment... Clearly at, not, because someone who went out of their way to buy it at a brick-and-mortar store left, left it, it at, at a fucking bus, bus stop. Yeah. <laughs> Let me actually wait. Let me read some of the descriptions of these lost boys here. Just, I, I know we didn't get a chance to go into their introductions, but I just want to. My mental image of the twins have been the two twins from Gur and Logan this entire time. Oh well, I can disabuse you of that notion. They both look like Jacob Black from Twilight. <laughs> when I open my eyes, I find a boy peering down at me. No, not a boy exactly. He has the youth of a boy, but the presence of a man. Oh, no. <laughs> Long black hair is tied into a bun at the back of his head. His gaze is knife-like, sharp, and glinting as he takes in the sight of me. 
His skin is the color of the bright side of a blood moon, and black tattoos run over his bare chest. All of the lines are precise and symmetrical on both sides of his body. They start at his neck and travel like a labyrinth over the rest of him. Boy, howdy, with the line work on those clean... I don't know what the fuck the tattoo This detail on. makes it. I need you to let okay. me get to it. They start at his neck and travel like a labyrinth over the rest of him, disappearing beneath the waistband of ripped black jeans. Oh my goodness. He is a vision of dark virility. <laughs> That's Castion for you. <laughs> dark virility. A vision of dark virility. And then his twin, Bash, comes in. Uh, it's like he's exactly the same, except this guy's dark hair is cut much shorter and fans over his head in waves so he's emo basically <laughs> he's got emo hair which is fantastic where's vane he gets introduced in here I don't, I don't know it's basically they just say like he's the mean one and he comes in and intimidates her and they talk about his magic and he goes away but then he gets <laughs> to pet a puppy off yeah screen. i just i just think he's very caring actually <laughs> well that's the one twist that's the one twist in this book is where he like rescues Winnie from getting her brain melted. It's like the thing that you don't expect because like Nikki St. Crow spends all this time describing him as like a terrifying force. There's at least two chapters where he and Peter Pan go out and murder things for no reason. Like it's maybe not for no reason, but like, you know, the reason is they wanted to murder. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason is Peter Pan is jealous because apparently that's this, author's version of displaying that men are in love is that they feel jealousy which is a problem in and of itself what was i i was what do you something. mean you don't want to be the obsessive object of the affection of a bunch of jealous roided out bikers who just kill things when they're angry <laughs> that doesn't sound like the like the hottest shit in the world to you <laughs> yeah where is it with Vane? What does he say? That's like the the twist. Yeah, so he kind he swoops in. He rescues her from Tilly, who's about to fry her brains. And she asks, like, "Why did you do it?" And he says, "Because I felt like it, and because I could." Um, later, he says, "Where I come from, little girls like you are broken every day for no other reason than to watch them crack." And I'm fucking sick of it. So it's like not something that you expect from him. He says this line that I think is supposed to be profound, but it's just kind of weird. Rated in a, uh, a surfer boy voice. Well, there's some dialogue that leads up, up to it. So she's like, I'm stronger than you think. And he says, even the mighty oak believes she is strong until a man comes along with an axe to chop her down. And she's like, is that you then? Do you have an axe? He says, all men are born with an axe in their hands, darling. To take the measure of a man, you just have to pay attention to how he wields it. Okay, I see what you were going for, but it's kind of dumb and weirdly sexist. So, I don't know. Just... Men have axes and ladies are trees. <laughs> These are the two genders. This is what I mean when I say it's deeply heterosexual. <laughs> like, you can tell from, A, the, the language that this is told in, and also just from the description of Castian at the beginning. Uh, you know, just sort of the black ripped jeans and the... Boots yeah. with the fur. <laughs> the whole club is looking at her. But um, he yeah. hit his girl. <laughs> oh, no. next, <laughs> next thing you know, wait, no, okay, he doesn't do that. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep going. I'm there's, sorry. There's a point at which so Paren parentheses. <laughs> Sexually and consensually. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's. <laughs> Sai is over there just. 
<laughs> coughing their lungs out and crying and laughing. <laughs> the, the, what happens is she's trying, her, she decides her strategy is to seduce these guys. And she thinks Castion is the weak link. Like she thinks he'll be the one who's readiest to fuck, right? So she tries to seduce him and she does all this stuff to get him horny. But like he knows the rules. So he leaves and finds some other girl outside and just fucking like face fucks her. Um, and like Winnie watches and she gets turned on and then Bastion comes in like, what did you do to my brother? And then Bastion ends up being the weak link and he fucks her. You know what? Hold on. <laughs> hold on. You know what? That's actually pretty hot. Yeah. You know well, what? Hey, I'll it, give it to you. That's kind of hot. Yeah, there's uh, but that's kind of hot. It keeps hey, going. <laughs> this is this is the Simet's. Uh, that's kind of hot. Seal of approval. <laughs> okay, you got yeah. it. And then what happens is like as Bass is like fucking her, Peter Pan comes in and like you know Bass is breaking the rule, but instead of like uh, scolding Bass and telling him to go, he just he lights a cigarette, and like Bass is like frozen in place at this point. He lights a cigarette and Pan says, "Don't stop on my account." And then he's like, go on, fuck her. Hey, <laughs> fuck hey, her, Bash, do it now. <laughs> I know, Iron Man and the Hulk don't stop fighting just because a guy walks into the theater. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, fuck her, Bash, do it now. And so that's what happens, and then that's the scene where, like, once Bash is done, uh, Peter Pan fingers her, but yeah, no, it's... Oh, okay. <laughs> Hotness points revoked. That's gross. <laughs> yeah. There's a no... Hey... You guys are all st- hetero, straight, muscle-bound dudes. By by those standards, there's another dude's nut in there, man. <laughs> Come on. I mean, that's not the first time they do something like that. And the group it feels scene. it feels like you're going more for your bro's nut than <laughs> you are trying to like have well, a sexual encounter then, with a lady. But then the sex the sentence he has later is is just like. I'm so hard and so pissed off because I wanted to split the darling in two or something like that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, my goodness. Anyway, this this book is a work of art. <laughs> Man, him, him coming in to finger her after... That's like... That's so weird. That's weird. Uh, that's yeah. the first thing that's actually weirded me out. Really? The the synchronized coming didn't weird you out? Because that was... No, like, that was cringy I'll make to me. fun of it, and it's cringy, but it didn't, like, weird me out. Oh, okay. There, there's, like, a, an almost sort of wholesomeness to the, Yeah, bro! Of it all. I'm just imagining them high-fiving now. Yeah, like Eiffel Towering. I know, they spit, they spit roaster and then bust hey, them out at the same time. Their brotherly <laughs> love is such that they can disconnect the feeling of their dong and a lady with the feeling of fiving their bro, and I think that that is a sign of a bond. <laughs> Whereas, he is just jealously jumbling around uh, yeah. after someone else got there for you know that's yeah. there, there's like that dynamic of it is clearly like an emotional part of the play and then the nut is not considered <laughs> yeah I, it's I mean, like in a, it's like in a hentai manga where like a lady gets like a huge facial and then it's like, okay, well, this is only like the third page. Obviously, they're going to fuck. But in between pages, she just magically doesn't have cum on her face. <laughs> and that is where I have a problem with it. Fair enough. Uh, this I Consider mean, the nut. There's also, the I think, the, the very strong heteronormativity of this 
piece really hit me when Tilly comes in because she's described as being like very beautiful. And I'm thinking like, well, if this is erotica, there better be a fucking lesbian scene coming up. But no, she's described completely heterosexually. Like there's nothing, you know, alluring about her from Winnie's perspective. And that kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just because I'm a queer person that kind of bummed me out. It seemed like a missed opportunity. Anyway, that's, that's the never King. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) Really is just the gift that keeps on giving, huh? Yeah. I don't want to read the other four books in the series. That's the other thing I just Wait, got other four books? I told you about this earlier, didn't I? I thought I thought there was only a sequel. No. So we we thought there was only a sequel because the, the latest one had been posted the day we recorded the first episode. But I was talking with a friend of mine and they looked up uh the the Never King and Nikki St. Crow's site. Apparently there are four books in the series. And I know exactly whose book is whose. <laughs> Because the the next book in the series is called The Dark One, which means it's about Vane. Um, I forget what the third one is, but then the fourth one is called The Fae Princes. That's the one that came out recently, and so that one's probably about the twins. Dev, you should have waited to to say that off mic, because I feel like now we have to do all of them. (laughs) You cannot force me to read these things. You can, you can, if I if I had to read the Never King, you have to read the Fey Princes. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's. I'll read. What's the sec? The next one is what? Which the one? Dark, I'm reading the Dark One because I like Vane, but you're reading the other two. No, I want to read the Vane one. <laughs> we'll both uh, read it. Okay, okay. We ought to have both read this anyhow. All right, but. I do want to just let, let me just plug Nikki St. Crow's websites, Nikki, N-I-K-K-I-S-T-C-R-O-W-E, um, dot com. You can find her other works there. You can purchase all four books of this series, uh, if you want to. Uh, you can also read Hot Vampire Next Door. If you do read that one, please comment and tell us how it is, because I'm and, a little curious. <laughs> and of course, you can, uh, tweet about our show using the hashtag, hashtag consider the nut. <laughs> <laughs> indeed you can if you want to follow us on other sites you can find our twitter link in our description as well as a link to my patreon if you would like to contribute to the show that'll allow us to buy copies of these other books so um please consider supporting us if you like um if this is on youtube please like subscribe hit the notification bell tell your friends our Um, uh intro and outro music is done by aria at two glitch on twitter uh check her out she's awesome and also doing a lot of cool shit with a lot of cool people check out yeah check out her stuff she's great support trans creators and then i think that's about everything i had I want to do a funny call to action at the end of every episode, but uh, we can we can start that later. You can edit this part out. Okay. Or don't. Or don't. I don't know. Maybe this is the bit. <laughs> Maybe it's the bit. Deb, do you feel like this is the bit? Not really. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and don't forget, don't read where you shit. <laughs>